Hi, and thanks for joining this joint podcast of JSurge and the Good People Fund. As we all know, one of the biggest human rights and humanitarian crises facing us now is the treatment of migrants at the U.S. southern border. It's being documented in news accounts nearly every day. Last month, Rabbi Stephen Bayer and Phil Jacobs of JSurge flew to El Paso on a fact-finding mission and to bring some needed relief to some of the people they met there and in neighboring Juarez, Mexico. This trip was made in cooperation with the Good People Fund. Tragically, one day prior to their arrival, 22 people were killed and 24 more wounded by a gunman at a Walmart there. In this podcast, we're joining Rabbi Bayer, who is the founding executive director of JSurge, Naomi Eisenberger, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Good People Fund, and Phil Jacobs, who is senior editor at JSurge. They'll discuss the impetus for the trip, what they found there, and the Jewish imperative to act, both individually and as a community. Note that the podcast was recorded via telephone from three remote locations, so while the audio quality may not be as sharp as possible, the content certainly overrides that. So in order of appearance, we have Rabbi Bayer, Naomi, and Phil. Thanks again for listening and being engaged with us on this most critical issue. Steve? We arrived, Phil and I arrived in El Paso about 12 hours after the massacre, and we were immediately whisked to a prayer vigil. And in the middle of the prayer vigil, our guide, Ava, turned to us and said, if it's okay with you, we have to go to the other Walmart because we have to buy clothing for three children who have no clothing and they've just been dropped on the streets. And I found myself thinking at that point how horribly intense this experience was going to be and thanking Naomi for getting us there. I would ask at this point, Naomi, if you could just tell us how we got there. <laughs> it's, it's always a very circuitous route. It turns out that Peter Freemark, who was one of the Good People Fund board members, has a wonderful mitzvah project that he does with his synagogue, Temple Israel near Tamid, in Cleveland, Ohio. And it started many years ago when I first met Peter. He came up with the idea that there were probably children who were going through some type of trauma in their lives for whom a teddy bear could be a source of calm and of safety. And so over the years, Peter has collected Sadaka money and has a connection with a manufacturer of teddy bears and buys them in large quantities. And he has sent them off to hurricane victims, unfortunately, other shooting victims. And so Peter told me that he had connection with Dr. Ava Moyo, who is a professor at the University of Texas in El Paso, and that he was sending um, sending her a case of teddy bears that she was going to distribute throughout the shelters in El Paso. And I, I thought, great, this is Peter at his best. And I went on with uh, whatever I was doing. But eventually, El Paso became a little bit more out there in the news, and this was prior to the um, to the shootings. And I said to Peter, you know what, maybe we can use Dr. Moyo 
as our eyes and ears on the ground there because it's not likely that we're going to get there. And I connected with her, and within a very short period of time, I realized that she was exactly the kind of person that we at the Good People Fund like to work with, particularly in situations where we ourselves can't be there, in situations that are very current and spontaneous, such as the crisis on the border. I spoke with her and I asked her if we could help her, and she said yes. I asked her what was needed, and she came up with a very, very long list of basic, very, very basic things. And I said, go shopping. We publicized her work on our, through our network at the Good People Fund and um, raised a significant amount of money, um, which was enhanced by the funds that came from JSurge. And Eva went off shopping. And the shopping lists that I got from her were really very interesting to see what was needed. Um, in addition to things like diapers and socks and underwear, there were all kinds of personal health items that really spoke to the experiences of these individuals, like foot powder. So many of these people had literally walked from whatever country they were leaving, and they had a very unique set of needs. And it all works very simply. Eva shops, she sends me the receipts, we pay the bill. We send her the money and reimburse her for what she's done. And as I discussed and shared this story with Steve, he decided that perhaps this was something that he wanted to see firsthand. And unfortunately, I could not go. So Steve and Phil went and became our eyes and ears on the ground. I, I thought of going, but then I contacted Phil, who has a much better nose for, for this than I do. And, and Phil was so enthusiastic. And we found ourselves in Walmart after the vigil, able to outfit three boys, three three children, for less than a hundred dollars, we found ourselves in Walmart. And Phil, I, I looked at, at at things through my eyes, but also through Phil's eyes as a journalist. And and Phil, what did you see? I saw a tremendous need. We were in a Walmart in El Paso, just over twenty four hours after the massacre that had happened. That we came from a vigil where there were thousands of people. We heard faith leaders talking, we heard Hebrew, we heard Spanish, but we all had the same language, which was we were in grief, we, we were in mourning. A lady standing near us at the vigil just shouted out loud, this is our crystal knock. And uh, I spoke to her, her ancestry is from the Dominican Republic, which uh, was one of the only countries that expanded its quota for accepting Jews during the Holocaust. I want to get back to the teddy bears. When we uh, arrived at the first migrant center in Juarez, uh, we were just in a, in a neighborhood of just of crumbling buildings, and the migrant center was covered in razor wire. It was not exactly a place I was thinking where a, a, a teddy bear should be. When I saw the looks on the children's faces when they received the teddy bears, I knew exactly that this is exactly where the teddy bears should be. The people in the lobby in the migrant center, um, they were exhausted. Their eyes had no uh, energy in them. Children were draped over exhausted parents trying to seek answers. You know, when you read about this in the newspaper or you see it on the news, 
it's just it doesn't give a clear picture unless you see it and you smell it and you touch it and you talk to people these are you know these are regular people who are trying to escape femicide and sex trafficking and paying tribute money to the gangs they just want a, a, a break and that they have to pay a smuggler to get this far and the far that they get has absolutely no guarantee to it that's what steve and i saw and it was impact impactful it was life-changing and it, it was scary and and similar to uh what we're teaching our children that happened in the 1930s in, in germany in, in europe in my mind so i know i went off on a tangent there but coming back to walmart and just seeing people buying their school supplies. I think when we were there, there was a, uh, a state ta- a tax-free day, so that gave more impetus to buy things. And 22 people who had been murdered the day before. Uh, so it, it was difficult to piece all these puzzle pieces together. When, when Steve and I got off the plane, the first thing we saw in the airport was a sign that said, El Paso, the safest city in America. So we were just getting all of these signals, and Ava Moya, Dr. Moya, she was simply amazing. She navigated us through the physical part of giving out and distributing the, the items through the Good People Fund and JSurge. She also talked us through some of the things we were going to see, and then after, talked to us about what we had just seen and, and we had just experienced. So maybe I've spoken a little bit too much, but it was something that, I, like Steve, I will remember for the rest of my life, and I will I will teach what I saw to my children and grandchildren and my students. It is a different place from where we live. We were in Juarez the second the second day, and one of the questions that Phil and I asked Ava was, "Is it safe?" And Ava's response was, "Of course, it's safe." She grew up in Juarez and in El Paso. People don't realize that these are sister cities. They're only divided by a very small river. We went into Juarez. We picked up another person to guide us, and then we got lost. Phil and I are sitting in the back seat kind of going, we really aren't very comfortable with this, especially when Ava was going to stop for directions, and and her passenger said, no, 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 don't stop. Don't ask them. They're the wrong people. Ask someone else. Afterwards, we talked, and the concept of safety is very different when you live in Juarez than you live in the United States. And the importance of being on the ground came forward on Monday morning, our first day there, when Phil and I attended a meeting. Ava is in charge of holding two fairs, one in the fall, one in the spring, for the homeless population, of which the homeless population in El Paso is made up a lot of migrants and also veterans who are, who are homeless. There are 16 or 20 nonprofits that are represented, including the city of El Paso, the question is, where are we going to get the supplies to give these people so that they can live better on the streets? And at one point, I realized they needed coats. They needed clothing to be able to give out. As soon as we left the meeting, I called Naomi at the Good People Fund and said, you've got someone you've worked with named Rania Kelly, who runs the redistribution center in Denver, Colorado. Does she have this stuff? And Naomi was able to contact Rania immediately, and, and within a week, all of this, a lot of stuff was sent to Ava. And, and that's why it's important 
to both cross-pollinate, but also to just know who to call, because in many cases, it's just a question of knowing who to call. And Naomi, of course, is the expert in that. The whole experience, Ava at one point turned to, to Phil and I and said, you know, what are your impressions? And one of the messages that we got consistently from every person we talked to was that this was an issue that had been going on for decades in similar vein, that this specific issue was, in, in, with our present administration, was being enacted cruelly and with intent. This wasn't only a problem for today. And one of there was actually one executive director who started yelling at us, saying, what are you doing here? You should be somewhere else. You should be in Washington, because this is a political issue. And so when Ava turned to us and said, what are your impressions? My answer was starfish. And of course, that goes back to the question, to the story of the starfish. There are thousands of starfish thrown up on the beach, and, and they're drying out and dying. And one little child is taking up, picking up a starfish at a time and throwing them into the sea. And an older person comes over and says, you can't save them all. You can't even save most of them. You can't, you can't do any good. Why are, you, why are you wasting your time? A child picks up one starfish and throws it into the sea and says, but it meant something to that one. That's where the teddy bears come in. That's where the Good People Fund comes in. That's where doing a small act of kindness, even though we as adults recognize the tragedy of the situation and our complicit acceptance of that situation, and yet that teddy bear is probably the most important thing that child will have. It is a starfish. It started with Peter, who goes through Naomi, who comes to, who sends out an email, gets a phone call from me, and then I call Phil, and we end up in El Paso. That's how Sadaka work is done. What does this mean to the Jewish community? Well, let me ask you, Naomi, because you function as a lay leader in the Jewish community. What does it mean to you as a lay leader? It, it means many different things, but clearly one of the most important is that there are untold opportunities for each and every one of us to do something to make this world a better place. You know, each of those people who donated money to us for this effort, so many of them come to us and say, we are giving you our money for this issue because we know that you're going to get the most bang for the buck, that you're going to really be able to reach into where the problem is and help solve it. And um, I think that's, for me, that's primary, is, is allowing that, that everyone has an opportunity to do something. Phil and, Phil and I act as Jewish professionals. And, and Phil, what has your experience been? Well, first of all, I want to thank you and Naomi for the opportunity I had to bear witness. You know, I hear so many of the attitudes in parts of my very own Jewish community towards the uh, southern border that ask questions like, well, what do you want us to do about it? Put them in the Hilton Hotel. What do you want us to do? You know, they're illegal. I felt that by bearing witness to as large a segment of the community as I possibly could, I, I, I said, they're not asking for, the migrants aren't asking for the Hilton Hotel. They're asking for, for civility. And this is our job, as, as this is our role, our birthright, is to shed light on the world and welcome the stranger. We get caught up in our own worlds and we, you know, we get concerned about paying tuition or 
doing whatever we're doing in our lives and, and we, we forget about other people who, who need us and are appreciative for whatever it is we can do. We went to a, a shelter, a second shelter we attended that had 100 people and two showers and four toilets for 100 people. I live in a house where I have seven people living there and we can't make do with three toilets and two showers, you know? And I'm not trying to make light of it, but you know, there's dignity involved. We interviewed a young woman who's 16 years old, was, was worried about getting taken and put into this uh, sex trafficking. She wants to come to this country and be a doctor, be an OBGYN. She had to get out of Honduras because there was no chance there. But there was no guarantee on this end. So this is our, this is our birthright. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Naomi is providing for us, and Jake Surge is providing us an opportunity to do this. It reminded me of something that Elie Wiesel spoke about when he talked about those people who survived the camps, the concentration camps, the death camps. He said the people who were able to believe in something, if no matter what they believed in, whether it was Judaism, whether it was humanity, whether it was family, if they had a belief that that would help them survive, and she had that belief, our administration is trying by all sorts of abusive measures to dissuade people from coming here. But when you're under a threat of death, you can't dissuade people from coming here. But I can tell you that the American dream is alive in the people who don't have it. And, and maybe it's our responsibility to keep that dream alive for them and in some way to keep it alive for us as well. In retrospect, it took me almost three weeks to recover from two days, basically. It was an experience that I'll never forget, but it's, it's something that we have to continue to experience to help people and, uh, and, give, and, and continue to give them hope that at least there's a flame of civility alive in, the, in this country, but that hasn't been extinguished. And that's what I feel the work of good people and Jay Surge and Dr. Moya and, and Rabbi Bayer, and that's what that's what was going on here. And and we learned something, or at least I learned something from, from the vigil. They had every religious denomination you could think of speak, and they spoke for three to five minutes. And everyone got up there and talked about the power of prayer. I remember calling Naomi afterwards because I said, you know, all they were talking about at the vigil was praying. And he said, as Jews, we talk about doing. We've decided, J-Surge has decided to adopt one of the workers down there who's trying to set up a library and computer center for the immigrants and the poor population in El Paso so they can learn English and so their kids can learn English and they'll have a better chance wherever they end up. We're going to be collecting books. We're going to be sending down materials with both ourselves and through the Good People Fund as well. Do something. Even if it's starfish, we have to do something. And even if it's a teddy bear. Even and Yes, and even if it's a teddy bear. It's, it's the ripple effect. You don't know where a good deed is going to lead, but you know it will lead to something good. We're all going to be sitting in Rosh Hashanah services. We know that we're going to be praying. And we're going to be praying for repentance. We're going to be praying for well-being. But the tradition specifically states that prayer is only one way of observing our tradition. And that 
acts of kindness and tzedakah are the ways in which we function as a community and we are a community. It's what we do with each other and what we do for those who are not members of our community but who are in need. The Code of Jewish Law specifies that we are responsible for helping those in need outside of our community. And if Yom Kippur is going to mean anything, we must include those people who are in worse circumstances than we are. Steve and Phil, thank you for making that journey. None of us, I, I know, knew just how significant it was going to be. Not that it would have been without the events of the Walmart shooting, but I think that that, unfortunately, put an entirely different spin and a much more intense spin on your experiences, and I thank you for making that journey. <laughs>